Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Music Creators Podcast. Today is Friday, April 22nd, and I really trust that your Easter weekend, last weekend, was blessed in every way and that you got some time to spend with your family and uh, those you love. So it's been a great week here in Florida. We had a wonderful Easter weekend last weekend, and uh, I appreciate your patience with me last week when I could barely talk. But that's not the case today, and I have a lot to share with you. So let's get started. Welcome to The Music Creators, brought to you by the management agency, better known as TMA. The Music Creators is a podcast for faith-based indie artists who want to excel and become successful in the music business as touring artists or bands. And it's also a podcast for worship leaders and their team members who'd like a better understanding of the biblical basis for worship. You can't be successful in leading if you don't know how it all began and how the Bible provides a roadmap for great worship in today's church. Join us as we explore how these two courses intercept along the way. Now, here's your host, Gary Stripling. As I said last week, a question I want us to address today is a simple question. And most people may say, well, affirmative, yes, of course I am an encourager. The only way to answer this question is by knowing solidly who you are and what you've been called to do. You can't encourage anybody if you're insecure, right? If you're fighting with yourself or your inner demons, your girlfriend, your wife, your boyfriend, your husband, your parents, etc. It really doesn't matter because you are in conflict on some level. And conflict will really wreak havoc on our ability to relate to others, much less encourage them. So you can't encourage somebody if you've got all this inner turmoil going around inside of you. So whether you're on a concert stage or in a small coffee house intimate gathering or on a church platform leading worship, you must keep your conflict under control or, trust me, it will seep out and it'll undermine any messaging you hope to achieve. And that, in and of itself, can hurt and even destroy others around you. So, one of the biggest conflicts that musicians face has to do with ambition. And that goes back to the question of, why am I doing what am I doing? I know I keep bringing this up. If you really feel in your heart that God has called you to do something, then it is certainly worth doing well, right? I know I keep going back to the mission statement. Have you developed a mission statement and is everybody on board with it? Because that's something you have to keep in mind. It needs to be at the forefront of everything you do and everything you think when you're uh, leading others, when you're performing on a, on a stage, you know, wherever you're performing. If you're a solo artist, then ambition seems to be easier to keep in check because you're not competing with anyone in your circle. If you're in a band as the lead singer, maybe even the guitarist or the keyboardist, then you're surrounded by others with a lot of ambition as well. So it's important that you and your team, whether you're in the band or on a worship team at church, you, you all need to understand where each person is with regard to their personal ambitions that have led them to this place where they are playing music. A personal ambition that does not line up with the overall mission calling of the larger group that you're a part of will cause a great deal of conflict. And that conflict will then emerge, say, in a small spat you have with another bandmate or disagreements about the set list or even the best way to play a particular pattern on your instrument. So it's important that you understand and that everyone else recognizes 
that you are all on the same page with regard to individual ambitions. Now, that doesn't mean everybody needs to have an identical ambition because we weren't created that way, but they need to be compatible on some level. There's a great story about George Mallory, who scaled Mount Everest five and a half miles above the the face of the earth. Mallory was once asked why he wanted to ascend Everett. His answer, because it is there. The ambition to conquer, to achieve, to excel has always driven men. For instance, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, his guide, led the first successful assault against Everest. Week after week, they inched up the face of the world's tallest temptation. Herculean odds opposed them in every way. Avalanches threatened to claim their very lives. Deep crevasses resisted negotiation. Even high winds gave their warnings. Extreme steepness defined their ingenuity and the thin air sapped their strength. So each day, as they were ascending to the top, at the end of the day, they would stop and build a camp. And they saw that each camp behind them, all seven of them, seemed so much further away as they got along there. In his autobiography, Edmund Hillary described the exhilaration of becoming the first to arrive on the Everett Apex. At 11.45 a.m. on May 29, 1953, Hillary and Norgay stood on top of the world. But here's an interesting point. Fifteen minutes after they arrived, they turned around and left. Hillary recorded in his diary that unless they began the retreat right back down the mountain, nightfall would overtake them and they would perish from all the elements. So they had 15 minutes at the top, all of that effort and sacrifice to stand for 15 minutes on top of the world. Almost everyone has his own Everest, some goal to scale the upper height, some ambition to make it to the top, some motive to walk among the great. People often describe their search for human dignity along the line of climbing the peak of a temporal summit. But you know what? Human dignity is actually found on a mountain, but it's the mountain, the holy mountain of God. Most men climb up the wrong mountain. So, you know, you've heard the cliche, I climbed my ladder to the top, only to find out it was leaning against the wrong wall. So, is the 15 minutes on top of the temporal world worth the price you paid? When you reach the pinnacle of success in this industry or in ministry, as you have defined it, well, then what's next? And this goes back to the question we always revisit when we're trying to understand what motivates us to do what we do. What is your ambition? And does it line up with those on your team with whom God has called you to work with? When men pursue selfish ambition, they invariably climb up a corporal mountain where no man may rest. It's a mountain of loneliness. When Christ ascended to the mountains, his only goal was never about himself. Rather, he went there to meet with the Father. The only mountain worth climbing is one that ascends to our Father God. So we have to keep our ambition in check. Am I trying to climb a mountain that's going to take me away from God? The goal of the Christian life is to ascend to the holy hill, not a mountain. It is to surrender to the self-will of ambition, which strives for human achievement at the expense of knowing God personally. The independent spirit within us that most certainly can get in the way strives for human achievement at the expense of knowing God personally. The independent spirit wants that Everest. The surrendered spirit wants the holy hill. 
The essential question is found in Psalm 24, verse 3. It says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Everyone has his own Everest. The question is, do you have some mountain of ambition that you're trying to scale? Only a weary few will stand at the top, and even those after 15 minutes of glory are forced by the laws of nature to descend. You can't maintain it forever. The older man must make way for the younger ones because they too want their 15 minutes of fame at the top. But was it worth it? So that begs the question for those of you listening to this. Are you climbing the wrong mountain? Have you found an ambition in your own flesh that's driving you to do what you do when you stand on a stage or lead from a platform or minister to your team? So let's piece all this together. I started at the top talking about encouragement and how sometimes our ability to encourage others is impeded by the conflict we have inside of us. Did you get that? Sometimes our ability to encourage others is impeded by the conflict we have inside of us. As I mentioned, that conflict will always surface when we least need it to. And for many people, the conflict is that of ambition, whether it's selfish, altruistic, God-focused. It can still cause conflict if others in your sphere of influence or your circle don't share similar ambitions. And again, I'm not saying identical. I'm saying similar. This is actually a question I deal with in a lot of seminars I have when I'm called in to deal with team conflict. Um, But I'll save that for another day. Another thing we want to be mindful of is that when you encourage others, make sure it comes from a clear heart with no ambition attached to it. No personal ambition. Remember, ambition can take the form of encouragement and therefore lead to conflict. So here's an example. So you're at an event where you've performed with your band and someone has told you that an A&R guy from Capitol Records is in the audience. So when you finally get to meet him, you immediately thrust a USB press kit or a business card into his face and you talk nonstop about how you can be the next best band he's ever worked with. Trust me, he's going to look for a way out of that convo as quickly as he can. On the other hand, when you do find him and introduce yourself to him, or someone else introduces you to him, which is the preferable way, let him take the lead on where he wants to take the conversation. He may take it in a business direction and ask questions that will allow you to give him the information about yourself and your band without having to give it unsolicited. Or he may comment on how well your band played or how powerful the message was. If he goes in that direction, then don't change directions. Engage him in the conversation as he leads it and encourage him. You don't know what's going on in his life personally or with his family. And perhaps God sent you to encourage him, the A&R guy from Capitol Records. You'd never know. Now, obviously, you don't want to sound overly religious just to get his attention. You need to be sincere and caring. And that is what he will remember, along with the great music you just shared with him. So when the conversation is over, you can hand him a business card and say something like, hey, I'd like to take this chat further. When can I give you a call? And that's it. So your ambition to be at the top of your game in that instance was not compromised. Your integrity was kept in check and perhaps you made a friend first before you met a possible business associate. However, if you're conflicted about what you want to do and where you want to go with your music, with your band and your team, You'd have a hard time hiding that unbridled ambition. You'd take over a conversation, and then you'd miss the opportunity to encourage someone. What about your bandmates or your team? 
How do you square your ambition with theirs? Well, that should have been done at the beginning, the moment you all started playing together, the moment when you auditioned the new person for your group or band, or you started over actually rebranding and re-identifying your purpose going forward. Obviously, everybody needs some skin in the game, but at what level is the question? Your drummer may see this as a part-time gig so he can earn some extra money to take a vacation with his family in, say, eight to ten years. I've worked with bands that had players who were not in the least bit interested in doing anything related to sharing the gospel or ministry. They were just a musician for hire. That's not always bad, but you want to make sure that your ambitions are in the, at least in the same ball field. But you hired that guy anyway, and that was never brought up when he joined the group at his audition, or he was never asked about it because the person conducting the interview just didn't feel it appropriate to bring up. So there at the outset, you've got conflict. The Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked one to another. That doesn't just apply to dating and marriage. I believe it applies in all circumstances, including your personal life, your business life, your spiritual life. Being unequally yoked is a recipe for disaster in a band's life. And so that's why it's so important that honest conversations with potential band members happen early on in the relationship. The second part of the question I asked last week is, are you a taker? If you are, that's in direct conflict with the other question, are you an encourager? Can't be both. Here's what I mean. If your only ambition is to climb the ladder of success in the music industry and use whatever means you can to get there, then you are a taker. You will use whoever and whatever means it takes to get to where you want to go. I've seen a lot of these folks over the past 20 years, and people like me in the industry can spot them a mile away. They think they're really being opaque, but actually they're very transparent to those of us who have seen a lot of it. The only thing coming out of their mouth is always about themselves. They only talk about the new song they wrote, the new EP coming out, the latest radio drop, the big national marketing campaign they have. That's all they talk about. These are the types of people you can stand in front of and have a conversation with, and they never ask you how you're doing or anything about you. You can't even ask them how they are doing because you're so busy listening to them talking about themselves nonstop. Now, I know a lot of you think I'm exaggerating, but trust me, it's more prevalent than you think, even in Christian music. So when I meet a new musician or have an opportunity uh, to chat with them on the phone or have an email or text exchange, I hope to hear early on why they do what they do and why they think they need help from me. But I would rather hear why they do what they do above all. Now, I just shared a little secret about what I'm looking for. So if you contact me and that's all you say or talk about, then I know you've been listening to this podcast and I thank you. Anyway. The artists on my roster that demonstrate God-given desires to encourage others are those who've actually been with me the longest. True story. We have, we'll have a conversation about the new marketing plan or the new radio drop or whatever it's about, but we always end with that client or me asking the other, how are you doing and can I pray for you? In other words, there's a relationship there, and it was formed early on, starting out as a manager-artist relationship, and then it matured into a friendship that is lasting and very important to both of us. And that's what it's all about. I'm all about relationship building from the very first time we meet through the years as we work together. So let's wrap this up. 
I want you to be an encourager of all men. In my daily walk, when my wife and I are out shopping or eating out or whatever we're doing when we're around other people, I love to find something different or interesting about someone else I'm standing in line with or the waitress or the waiter, someone I've just had an interaction with and compliment them. I love to do this. I've had random strangers compliment me on my shoes or my hats, and that makes my day a little better. But when I compliment or encourage someone else, that makes my day much, much better. And to see the look on their face when you compliment them, it takes their mind off of the conflict they're dealing with and encourages them, right? So a simple tip on how to avoid conflict within your team is to encourage each other. And it's a whole lot easier to encourage each other when you know that you all share a common ambition. And if you don't know the ambitions of your teammates or your bandmates, then you need to schedule some downtime away from the studio, leave the instruments at home, and just talk among yourselves and have each person share what their ambition is as a musician, as uh, a minister, and how it brought them to the band or to the place where they are today. So thanks for joining me today. I trust that you've been blessed by our conversation about conflict and encouragement I want to encourage you over the next week to find something good to say about somebody else. Please click on the share button and encourage your friends and colleagues to subscribe to this podcast. You can always find every episode at www.tmamediapodcast.com. And if you're a Christian artist or a band or even a worship leader desiring to take your gift beyond the four walls of your local church, visit our main website at www.themanagementagency.com. Click on the contact button at the upper right corner and then complete that contact form. I'll get right back to you, provide you with a lot of information about how TMA can serve your needs. So you guys take care, have a great weekend, and I'll see you next Friday for another episode of The Music Creators. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Music Creators. Be sure to join us next Friday for the next episode. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. While you are at it, take a moment to leave us a rating and review. This helps other people find out about the show.